Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. What's up, podcast people? Welcome to the show. This is the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast, and I'm your host, John Hutzpeth. It has been a crazy week. Uh, this coming weekend is the Backwoods Show in Oklahoma City. By the time y'all listen to this, the show has already happened. That's just kind of the way things roll, unfortunately, for me. But uh, anyway, been working like a madman this week to try to get uh, everything ready. One, I am taking off work Friday. Uh, trying to get off early tomorrow, which is Thursday, to to get up to Oklahoma City and get set up. Uh, I had to build my display. I had to get critters to hang on my display. Um, I got all my hats and shirts rounded up. Uh, I got to find somewhere to sit. Uh, I got I ordered one of those little credit card swiper deals for when people pay for the shirts and hats. I have no idea how to use it. So just kind of been running around like crazy ever since I got home from work. And I also had to get this podcast out for you guys. Or I got the joy of getting this podcast out to you guys. And so i uh, not going to shortchange this one because I had a heck of a weekend. And also have a really exciting interview to get to you guys afterwards. But uh, last weekend I had one of the best outdoor weekends I've had in a long time. Had a great time, uh, and so I want to tell you guys about it. Uh, Friday, got up there, and uh, it had been killing me that I don't have a place at my house to shoot my traditional bow very far. Um, Not necessarily that I don't have the room, but I just don't have the setup because I'm obviously not very good with it. You know, when I back up to further distances, it's kind of just a guess at first, uh, and I'm just not that skilled yet, so I don't trust myself. Uh, and so I waited till I went out to the ranch and got a nice big round bell set up for it. Uh, I scooted back all the way to 30 yards and it was awesome. Uh, man, like I, I don't know what about it. Like shooting a compound bow at 30 yards is like just not that big of a deal. But you get that trad bow, 30 yards just seems like forever away. And I've really been wanting to figure out my point on distance, as they call it in the trad world. So uh, I've, I've been doing gap shooting. And so you basically, you use the tip of the arrow and you put, you know, whatever distance you're at, you put a certain amount of gap between the tip of your arrow and what you're aiming at. And uh, you normally, for most people, you're aiming below the target because your eye is above the arrow. And so you're kind of looking down on it. And so as you move back, your arrow actually becomes closer to the point you're aiming at. And there's some magical distance for every shooter to where basically the arrow is pointing directly at what you're shooting at. And that's what I've been trying to figure out. And for most people, it's usually in like the 28 to 35 yard range. That's just kind of how it works out. Uh, And I I figured out I'm pretty close at 30 yards. Um, 
you know, honestly, I need to get a little bit better, just a little more skillful before I can really lock that down. But right at 30 yards, I was shooting pretty darn good, um, you know, pretty darn level. And so that was very exciting. I was very happy to do that Friday and just having a blast, just just launching arrows, honestly. Just, uh, I mean, like I was trying to be careful. I was trying to work on my form, but it was just fun to get back there and launch arrows. So I had a great time doing that Friday. Saturday was the exciting day. Um, I was really excited to do some habitat work. You know, this is the time of year that you should be doing all the the burning, the chainsaw work, um, all that type of stuff. And I have kind of, I wouldn't say I've put it to the side, but just haven't been able to do much of it recently. So I was really excited about that. So uh, headed out to the ranch. I strapped my chainsaw to the back of the four-wheeler. Uh, had a backpack with a little bit of gear in it and took off. Um, and so before I headed back to the back where I was going to do all my habitat work though, I went to one of our pastures that we, uh, plant with oats and stuff through the Bermuda grass. And we normally just find, it's like an easy place to find sheds. Like normally you just drive around, uh, it's grazed down. So the grass isn't very tall and we almost always find, you know, two or three sheds out there. Um, and I was trying to figure out basically if it was time to really shed hunt or not, because, most of our deer hold their antlers, you know, at least into the first week of March. Um, so I figured that'd be a good place to go check, see if I found any antlers, and basically figure out if it was worth my time to look for more. So drove out there, didn't find a single antler, covered it pretty good. And so I was like, all right, time to get to work. So headed to the back. and uh, But I have, you know, my big food plot in the very back. And uh, I was like, all right, I might as well drive back there and check it for sheds too. So uh, I'm making a loop and... Uh, Lo and behold, I actually look over and I see this bright white antler sticking up. And so shut the four-wheeler off, walk over there, and like I actually found a shed while shed hunting. And y'all have heard me talk about it. I'm the world's worst shed hunter. Like I just, I'm not good at it. I don't know if the deer just don't bet on us, if I don't know where to look. I don't know what the deal is, but I just, I never find sheds like when I'm looking for sheds. A lot of the ones I find are just when I'm out there working or driving around and just like happen upon one. But so the fact that I found one shed, I was pretty stoked about. And so I was like, well, I'm going to, you know, keep covering this food plot, uh, hop back on the four wheeler, drive a little further and look over. And I think I see another one. So I shut the four wheeler off, walk over there. And for the first time in my entire life, I myself found two sheds sitting side by side, like a match set. Like, the deer was obviously walking, laying, whatever. It was right on the edge, so I figured the deer was walking. And just pop, pop, both horns uh, or antlers fall off. And they were just laying there side by side. It was awesome. It was a, a, a more mature, I wouldn't say super mature. He's a, I'm pretty sure he's a four-year-old eight-point. Um, had a bunch of pictures of him. I actually passed him during rifle season. Had a cool encounter with him. Uh, so that was a really cool experience for me. So now I'm like, oh, this is crazy. Like three sheds. Like this is the best day ever. Drive a little further. Another bright white spot. Get over there. And it was actually a shed from last year, which like d- just to prove how bad of a shed hunter I am. Uh, like I shed hunted this food plot last year. Didn't find this antler, obviously. Uh, I mowed this plot at least once, if not twice, and didn't see the antler. I took the dozer back there and back drug it because it was, you know, real bumpy and I didn't want to run the plow over it. Uh, so I drug, I mean, a good, good portion of this food plot. Uh, and then I went back there and I sprayed it and I went back there and I planted it. 
during all that, I never found this shed. Uh, and obviously, like, while I was doing all that, you know, I was looking around, walking around. I hunted this plot all year. And uh, so I don't know how many times I just named that I was in this plot. Never found this shed, but found it this year. So now I had my first one, the match set, and then this holdover. So now I'm like, I'm very amped up. I'm like, all right, I got to keep, like, it's shed time. Got to keep looking. And so I decided to uh, head back through this open gate that kind of leads back to where most of the deer filter out from, you know, where they bed. And uh, sure enough, I get, you know, 40, 50 yards through the gate, and I find the other side to the first shed I had found. So now I have two match sets uh, and a holdover from last year. And so didn't find any more but that i mean that right there just made it like my best shed hunting day ever five sheds uh four from that year one from the previous year and so i was basically on cloud nine just from that Uh, i did drive around a little bit more looking for more didn't find any more i also kind of as i was driving around i realized that i had left a bunch of cameras out that i hadn't even checked honestly since deer season ended and so made a pretty good loop picking up all those cameras and uh and then finally uh got to do a little habitat work and so i fired up the chainsaw cut for a good 20 minutes uh and i brought my camera along so hopefully i can you know make a a film out of all this and show you guys on youtube i'm pretty determined to do that i know i've talked about doing filming in the past and haven't come through uh but i'm pretty determined to basically show you guys kind of the process i'm going through to create these bedding areas uh that i talked with uh, adam about a few weeks ago and so I, uh, I mean, where I was cutting, it was so thick that I couldn't even really see to film. And so I cut for about 20 minutes, cut, I mean, at least 50 to 75 cedars in that 20 minutes, uh, cleared out a little room, a uh, little space, you know, about the size of a good size living room. Uh, went and got the camera filmed a little bit. And then that was when it hit me that I had remembered all my tools. I had remembered all my filming stuff but I had forgotten water and uh, I had already been, you know, driving around, walking around, working for a good three hours now. And so I decided it was worth it to go back to the truck and get some water. Uh, And like, you know, y'all heard me talk about it before, like where I deer hunt and where I park in my brother's house and everything. It's a good, you know, mile to a mile and a half uh, on the four wheeler. So it's not like you just run up there real quick. And so decided to go back to the truck, got some water, I was at the truck, it was like 1 o'clock or 1.30, and I was like, man, I might as well just run to town real quick and grab some lunch. So, ran to town, ran through a drive-thru, get back, completely forgot that it was supposed to start raining that afternoon. Uh, so, I get back, and uh, I picked up some corn to get one of my feeders running because I want to do some hog hunting with the trad bow to get some practice before deer season. And so, loaded the corn on the four-wheeler, drove to one of my feeders, threw the bags of corn in there, and uh, my wife texts me, and you know we'd just been talking a little bit, and uh, she said something about like, "Is it not raining there?" And that's when it dawned on me, "Oh crap, it's raining!" And I'd left my chainsaw and all my camera gear back where I'd been working, and so I pull up the radar, and sure enough, it was supposed to start raining in like 15 minutes. So fly back up there, I'm looking at the sky, trying to decide if I can keep working or not, and while I'm trying to decide, I start hearing tick tick tick, and it started raining. And so throw my camera in the bottom of my pack, load everything else up, and fly to the house in the rain. Mile and a half long four-wheeler ride in the rain. Uh, So that pretty much did it for the habitat work, unfortunately. Um, I'm definitely going to go back and do more. Um, One thing that was kind of cool while I was driving around, picking up my cameras and looking for sheds, I was kind of laying out in my mind uh, and prioritizing like, okay, this is where I want to cut. This is how I'm going to cut it. 
uh, I want to do, you know, this spot first, then this spot, then this spot. And so even though I didn't get a whole lot of actual cutting done, it was still a very good, you know, productive weekend because I really got things kind of lined out how I want them. Uh, it rained from basically like, I don't know, three o'clock till I don't know when after I went to bed. And so I woke up Sunday morning, everything was drenched wet. Um, it was actually a pretty nice day. It was nice and sunny, still a little chilly. But between it being, you know, really wet, soggy, and muddy, uh, I also had to go pick up my buck from the taxidermist. Uh, we had planned to meet uh, after he got out of church on Sunday, so I was on a little bit of a time crunch. It was really muddy, so I decided not to go back to Chainsaw uh, on Sunday. Instead, I had a fishing pole with me and went to one of our little ponds that I'm, I'm really wanting to convert into a good fishing pond. Uh, kind of one just to fish it a little bit uh we've never caught any fish out of it but supposedly it used to hold a lot of nice fish and so i'm considering maybe doing a little stocking job on it uh, but also just kind of wanted to check it out um i had never looked at it that closely as far as you know wanting to be able to fish it and uh unfortunately i did notice that the dam is giving away um water was going over the center of the dam instead of out of the spillway so before i do any fixing on it uh, i'm gonna have to work on the dam and so uh, but again, it was kind of like that's was the whole point of the that fishing adventure was to basically figure out one if there was any fish in there, which I'm not so sure there is, and two just kind of check out the pond. And so, like I said, overall great weekend. Got my buck from the taxidermist, found some sheds, uh, did some scouting. So just a fantastic weekend. So absolutely no complaints. And uh, this coming weekend, I'm ready to head to the Backwoods Show and meet you guys, hang out with you guys. Very excited about it. Um, like I said, by the time this comes out, the show will have already happened, so I hope that I met you. Uh, yeah, I hope you got to come out to the show. Uh, so yeah, so that's all my weekend plans. Uh, put a bow on that. Let's move on to the actual show today. Today we have returning guest Dwayne Carter. Um, we, I was trying to remember when I had him on last. I think it was uh, late summer. Uh, but he came on and talked about coyote hunting last time he was on. Um, but I've got to know him a little bit better, kind of, you know, through him coming on and through other people. And Dwayne is a heck of a devoted deer hunter as well. He's very passionate about it. Um, he talks about the bow hunting league a lot. You know, we had Ben from the bow hunting league on a couple months back. Uh, but anyway, Dwayne and his team at one point were leading it. I think they ended up finishing in fourth place. Um, but Dwayne talks about some success he had. And then towards the end of the season, he had just a heartbreak of an ending to his season, and uh, he kind of joked when I called him up and, and asked him to talk about it on the show, he kind of joked that at least I gave him a little time you know, to, to get over it before I asked him to come on, but uh, no, he was a great sport about it. Uh, it's a great story. He does have a little cell phone trouble. Um, it's a little fuzzy at the beginning, but it gets better as you go through it, so if you don't mind sticking with us through that, uh, absolutely great episode with Dwayne today. And I hope you guys really enjoy it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be quiet now. I know y'all aren't here to to hear me ramble on. So uh, yeah, without further ado, here is my interview with Dwayne Carter. Hey everybody, welcome to the show today. And today we have returning guest Dwayne Carter. How you doing today, Dwayne? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Enjoying this nice weather we have for a change. Uh, no complaints there. Uh, well, how you been lately? You, you were on man. When was that last? Late summer, early fall, something like that? Yeah, but fall I think, maybe, somewhere in there. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look. Right before, right before the deer season. 
Yep, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. And last time you were on, you were talking about coyotes, but uh, you know you're an accomplished deer hunter as well, and so that's what we got you on to talk about today. And um, but real quick before we jump into that, why don't you just remind everybody who you are, where you're from, and uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm Dwayne Carter. I'm from Prague, Oklahoma, currently. Um, I do a little bit of my own videoing and editing, mainly coyotes and pigs with thermal. Um, all my deer hunts, I, I let the guys on Outdoor Nation TV, air them on TV first, and then and, and I get to play with the, the footage afterwards. A great group of guys. Uh, matter of fact, this whole story that you're fixing to hear will probably air this spring on Outdoor Nation TV, local channel 52, I believe. So uh, pretty good pretty good year we had. Uh, had some ups and downs for sure. Mm-hmm. So, Yep. And uh, I'm most excited to hear the downs, I think. Um, you're, I mean, you're probably not quite <laughs> as excited to relive them, but, uh, but I think a lot of people can learn from them. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's a heck of a story, you know, even though it didn't turn out as well as you would have hoped. But, uh, uh, but yeah, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it over to you and just let you kind of take us through your season because you did have some success and some good hunts. And so uh, why don't you just, you know, kick it off and kind of start at the beginning and work your way through. All righty. I'm sitting here just going to my iPad, looking at game camera pictures and helping me relive the, the season. Uh, early season, I had a couple really, really great deer found in Gilbert. And uh, one, I've known this deer for, for two years, a big 10 point. He threw off a bunch of mass and extras and pigs moved in. And this deer was notorious for, for daylight early October. Anyway, a pig on this piece of property and just flat out ran him off. Mm-hmm. I tried to kill pigs as much as I could, and it was too late. I never heard of any of the neighbors killing him. Um, it was all year long, and never picked him back up. I don't know where he moved to or what happened to him. But then, but then a deer that had up behind the house, I picked him up in September, and he died the year before in December. I call him homeboy because he was—he's always been there to show up right behind the house on on my game camera here, and uh, he lost his eyes December the, the previous year, and he had potential to be a superstar. I mean, he had all the extras, he had good time length, good mass, you know, all the non-typicals that could potentially blow up and be in the seventies easy the next year. Well, with his eye injury, he had. He had a pretty weak side, so what did she claim to him? And she ended up getting getting him killed during the first year. Still a great looking fifteen point hundred and I think he broke across soft ten inches and he's still hundred and forty inch deer. Wow. Another deer, so you know, it was awesome deer for her. Yeah, we got that on video and and it was it was a pretty short, you know, she killed pigs before and she'd been coyote hunting with me and Never had any luck with it, but she finally decided she wanted to she wanted to go deer hunting. That wasn't quite a deer that I wanted to eat. Uh, you know, a, a great first deer for her. Mm-hmm. So we started out the season pretty good. The season I started finding some deer. Um, I had a deer that I hunted the year before Jack. Uh, videoed him the Friday after rifle season the, the previous year. He was an optical 170-something injured. And I'm in this bow hunting league. Have you heard of the I know you have. Uh-huh, yep. You were in it. <laughs> I did, yep. um, My team didn't do near as good as yours, but I was in it. My buddy, 
Yeah, my buddy Chris Hammond, he glides bow hunting in any way. He, uh, I shot uh, that deer the year before in 2020. My fire buck, 170 and two, two inches, he shoots at 160 in Kansas. And our partner, he didn't he didn't pick up anything. He was pretty busy moving and whatnot. So, you know, we still made a fair good showing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I'm I'm basically leaving my rifle at the house. Well, travel season, this giant deer walks 120 yards, draws a bow. I find him, long story short, I find him again last year. And I get permission to hunt on a piece of property a half a mile closer to his core. And I get him figured, I started getting him on camera around the middle of October. In the Wednesday of Black Powder season, he showed up the very last minute at 80 yards on a crosswind set. I, I hunt crosswind. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to notice him if there's a straight north wind. I use it as a blocker, as a wind blocker. Mm-hmm. And then I put my corn 35 yards straight to the east of me. It was north wind or a northwest wind. He would skirt the east side and then he would come into my set. If there was any northeast wind, he would circle the whole time he would come in from my side, which, you know, I, I can't hunt him like that. He, he would be, he would end up bust. Anyway, I got him figured out. Um, had an encounter with him, and then that Friday before I had another north wind, they came in and dozed the whole mm. and turned him nocturnal. Still got a few pictures of him. He ended up moving off, and I got a buddy who ended up uh, picking him up about a mile and a half down the creek. I got intermission mm-hmm. because I had history with that deer, and then and, and it was kind of slow for me. I had some. Some good deer, mm-hmm. but I have great deer. And one of my farmers, um, he contacts me. He's like, "Man, I, I've been seeing this big deer on this one new, new piece of property that I got. I killed wheat and everything. Like you've been doing it." And so when he no-tilled in there, wheat on every single opening, it started drawing deer. What pieces of property? And um, he tells me about this one, so I go in here within two days of a, of a great deer, a shooter. You know, one he probably would have been close to 150. Mm-hmm. Um, he had one brow tine broken off, and I think I, I think I had pictures of him November the 16th is when I finally picked him up. I think, and uh, let's see, November the. November the 19th, I got him killed. So I've only been on this property for three days. I done found a deer. Uh, I made two good sets, and cold front came in. The first south went after a cold front. I'm setting a little old bitty barn that he had for a shooting house, but he had he had the whole front wide open. So I went in, and I screwed some OSB over the top of it, mm-hmm. got me some roofing paper, and I closed it all up. And I was like, I'm going to try to shoot him with my bow out of this out of this barn. Mm-hmm. I, call it, I call it a little barn. Mm-hmm. And, uh, anyway, very first time I hunted the dude, it'd been three days. I moved his cell phone camera in there and he'd been gone for three days and, and I shot a dagger buck in 2019 and that's what he would do. He would lock down with the doe. He would disappear for three days. And as soon as he'd come out of lockdown, he'd start hammering my corn. Mm-hmm. He'd hammer it, hammer it, hammer it. And he'd hit it and he'd leave for three hours and he'd come back and he'd hit it again. And he'd leave for three hours. 
and then he'd come back, he'd hit it again. Kind of the very first night that I got fish to this deer, he did that same thing. He hit the corn. He left for about three hours. He'd come back. He hit the corn. He left for about three hours. He'd come back. He hit the corn and disappeared. And then he was gone for the same day. For day, I called my partner, Chris Hammond, who's on the bow hunt list. I'm like, dude, he's going to do the same thing that the dagger just the third day. He's, he's more likely going to come out of lockdown mm-hmm. and come and hit my phone. And I barely get off the phone with Chris, and this dude walks up in front of me, and it's freezing that morning. It's like, you know, 17 degrees, mm-hmm. and, you know, November the 19th. So it's the first real, real, real cold day, freezing to death. This dude walks up, and I don't even have time to range him. He's about 40 yards, maybe. And I, anyway, I got the video camera rolling and and got him shot, perfect shot. Mm-hmm. He didn't go there. And, and I was on the board. Our other teammate, Scott Langley, he's he'd already won Kentucky and fell, but in an open a weekend, he shot a 178. And, you know, here I knocked down 140 inch. He ended up being 140 inch deer, 139 and 6 eighths. Mm-hmm. When I picked up my very first picture of him, he, he had one brow behind, he had one broken off. Mm-hmm. By the time that he showed back up, I'd never even gotten another picture of him. He had his other brow time off. But, you know, you get a 150-inch reindeer, I'm not turning on the bundle for sure. Yeah. Now, uh, was this the first time you ever hunted this property at all or just this year? Um, this year. I had been on it, and I, I walked around it and scouted it and shed hunted it. Mm-hmm. And Ren, they're doing so much work to it, John. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I'm... Uh, they've got every deer around the county you know they were brush hogging it was thick nasty nasty stuff um i took i actually took the guys with uh, uh whitetail cribs they came down and did, a, did an episode over my over my man cave and we went in there and trying to turkey and i found a found a really good deadhead out there hmm. while we were turkey hunting and, and then i was like yeah maybe i ought to maybe i ought to give this place another look and then the landowner was telling me about this big hill I put a game camera up on that hill, and then he told me where he'd until drilled some clover and we down this bottom field, and I put a camera down there. The bottom fields where I ended up getting pictures of this deer first. Mm. And anyway, I, I get this deer in, and I'm tickled, so I run up immediately to to my other set, and I'm looking at my own, and 572 yards away, caddy cornered across this 160 acres, and that deer that I killed was at that camera, 20 minutes before I killed him. Mm. So in 20 minutes, so in 20 minutes time, that deer will get over a quarter mile, which that's not, you know, that's not really, yeah. but you know, just for him to go exactly from point A to point B mm-hmm. and right in front of me, I thought that pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I went and checked that camera. I found the pictures of him and then I found, I'm pretty sure the deer that broke this deer's brow tines, mm. a giant, nine, you know, uh, probably in the upper 50s nine point mm-hmm. and looked like he was i mean this deer from the game camera pictures i'll send you some pictures of him in velvet nothing really they said he was a six-year-old deer i mean he was great i mean he was a great deer but pretty deer he just moved you know nine inches of the top mm-hmm. regardless i find this uh this other deer white roman nose Big bodied, big everything, and then granddad. And I set up up lined up that day with the deer laying dead in the bed of my pickup, <laughs> and was coming back to hunt it that evening. And uh, still didn't have a set up on that set. Come on, pictures. 
my buddy Matt Willis take pictures of my deer and and you know get him hung up and taped out and deboned and I'm back in the blind by like three o'clock. And now that evening, um, you know, I'm watching these deer with my binoculars well as they shoot, and I'm I'm making a plan to for a bridge kick good and dark, and I'm sneaking out the back door of my blind and trying to get out undetected. I get out of the blind and I get about ten yards from it, and apparently, apparently this this big guy granddad circled my whole set mm. and caught my scent cone and winded me. And when he hit the tree line, was running off. It sounded like two bullets got sideways running through the trees. I was like, oh, great. that's him. Anyway, I used to have projects for rifle season, and I never I hunted that I hunted that, that set for a week straight. Maybe I mean pretty well every day for hey just just trying to get a chance at that deer because I knew, um, you know I knew he was a a mid to upper one fifties deer, mm-hmm. and in that time my partner Chris Hammond you know he goes up northwestern Oklahoma and he tags out in one set shoots a a six or seven year old uh, one hundred thirty five inch deer and in twenty minutes a six year old one hundred fifty eight and four eighths inch deer mm. so. That kind of put that kind of put the pressure on me. Uh-huh. Uh, in that time, in that time, they uh, they logged us in for first place in the bow hunting league out of seven hundred ninety teams nationwide. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm like, man, uh, more than likely Chris isn't going to get to upgrade because he's he's got a one fifty eight and some change. And Scott Langley, he just shot his, you know, his biggest biggest to date a, a one eight grade. Our score as a total is more than likely me. Not saying that they can't shoot mm-hmm. bigger than 170 or 158, but I've got the best chances to upgrade. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the, with the smaller deer, you know, with the 140. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I finally I finally give up on Granddad after after hunting him and leaving cell phone cameras out there for two weeks. I'm I'm marking him off to he got shot uh, during rifle season, and uh, so I start going around and I'm. You know, normally I'm I'm down to a few deer hunting a few deer come the middle to end of October, and I'm looking. I now I got to shoot a 150. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to upgrade for this bow hunting league, mm-hmm. and I've got 140. I got 140s kind of around every corner almost. It seemed like last year, but I couldn't find the upgrade. Mm-hmm. And so I actually called the. I called, I called one of my farmers, one of my best farmers has got some really good ground. And, and I said, I'm not going to say his name, but I said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in this bow hunt league. I'm looking for a deer. This is the deal. It's nationwide. It's a pretty cool little thing. Uh, have you seen any big deer? And he said, Wayne, I seen the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life over on this wheat field, broad daylight last week, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I've been trying to get your cousin to go over here and hunt. And you know, you and your cousin for years and it's, it's one of them pieces of property where you don't even think a deer hunt it. There's, it's it's long, narrow. There's a wheat field in there, and there's like two ditches going through it. There's not a tree you could hang a stand in. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm trying to video also, so it doesn't look very appealing to me. But he says, you know, he's a farmer and he's seen quite a few deer. He says there's big deer over there. I went out there that day and hung out a hung a cell phone camera up. And two days later, I get pictures of this giant typical ten point, mm-hmm. like mid mid to high 60s maybe low 70s mm-hmm. typical 
like the biggest typical I've ever had anything to do with. And I'm like, Oh my gracious. So I'm sending these pictures to, to Chris, to Chris and Scott. And they're like, there he is. That's him. And I was like, yeah, I gotta, I don't know what in the world to do. Cause it's just two ditches. There's not a tree bigger than your leg on the property. Mm-hmm. And so I went out there. Let me ask you a question real quick. I went to go ahead. <laughs> so at this point in your mind, what is more important to you getting this thing killed for the bow hunting league or getting it on film for the show? I mean, did that thought ever cross your mind? Like, do I, do I have to give up one or the other? It, it, it did. And I'm stubborn mm-hmm. and hard headed and I wanted the, I wanted the cake and I wanted to eat it both. Mm-hmm. So I did put down, I started running a mirrorless, uh, Sony, mm-hmm. uh, a 7C this year, which they're a little bit more difficult to run. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put it down and I picked up my cannon, uh, point and shoot. It's got a remote on it. And I told the guys on the TV show, I was like, I'm going to point it and I'm going to make it turn red. And that's mm-hmm. a, I mean, that's all I'm promising. If I can yeah. get good footage, I'll get good footage, but I want to kill this deer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I tried the happy medium mm-hmm. and, uh, it ended up biting me in the butt mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Um, but, oh, so I find this deer, and before we even get to that point, I got to try to figure out how to hunt him. He's showing up every day, and he's daylighting. Well, he hadn't even really daylighted yet. I just, I just find him, so I'm like, okay, I got to do something in case he daylights. Mm-hmm. So I went, and I took some T posts and some rebar out there, and I drove two T posts in the ground with a with T post driver, and I cut me down two evergreen trees that are about six, seven foot tall. And as opposed to, I drove in the ground on the backside of the terrace, it's got briars all over the front side of it. And you can see the trails, how, how these deer are funneling around these thick briars. Mm-hmm. Like it's got them funneled in away from where I'm going to be. I'm going to have to shoot over the top of the briars down to where my corn's at. And, uh, the way that the briars were, it laid out pretty good. And, uh, so I drive these T-posts in the ground and rebar and I got, evergreen trees zip tied to everything and zip tied to each other give me a little bit of background cover and uh chris hammond actually came down and i was like man i got it the deer only daylighted in the mornings i was like i got to try to get in undetected and i knew i could work the rise of this hill i messed up and the lat the time before i hunted it the first time i moved my corn pile to the west by about six yards. I didn't care if I got pictures of the deer anymore, but I wanted to get him out of this little hole that I had him in. Mm-hmm. That way I maybe wouldn't hit the briars that I have to shoot over. And I have to like get on my knees and, and erect, get, get upright on my knees to shoot over these briars. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't take into consideration the way that I, I laid it all out. I entered the set with all of my evergreen trees and them T-posts lined up with me in my corn pile. That way, if there were deer on my corn, I could have my, my blind as cover mm-hmm. walking, sneaking in. I could just sneak right in the back door. I, I always try to line everything up to where I got cover, mm-hmm. you know, cause deer could see way better than us at nighttime. Yeah. And, uh, that next morning, Chris comes in with me and we go to sneaking in there and there were two little bucks I didn't have, I didn't see them until later, but there were two little bucks on my corn, not in front of the camera and they spooked and the, the buck comes off the wheat, the big deer comes off the wheat field and he beds down in this waterway between my corn pile and the thick stuff to the east. And then right around daylight, he gets up, he comes and eats on the corn and then he, he goes over to the thick stuff to the east. It's just 
what I'd been seeing mm-hmm. him do, you know, watching him on game cameras and I've stood out there and glassed a few times. But anyway, I spooked them deer. These deer run to the west and he doesn't show up that morning. So so we bumped him. Mm-hmm. Um which is that's the very first time hunting him. We bumped him and it's just a bad deal. But um I continued to hunt. I left him alone for, no, I don't even think I left him alone. I went in and hunted him the very next morning also. Mm. But I got in there. I, I've seen, I seen what I had to do walking out that day. Like I have to crawl 70 yards. If I, as long as I crawl on my hands and knees 70 yards, I can get into the back door of my blind mm-hmm. without them seeing me. If they're on the north side of this whole terrace, I just can't stand up and walk in. Mm-hmm. So I stand, so I, I start crawling in and out of this set um, for that that's, uh, that Saturday evening and that Sunday morning and Sunday evening. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, that Monday, the wind shifted for a south. Well, I didn't have a south wind set, but you probably know as well as I know that the very first south wind after a cold, cold, cold front is a money day. Mm-hmm. So I talked to Chris. And Scott and I come up with a game plan. I'm walking around the whole mile section. So I park truck and I walk around the whole mile section and walk circles around them and come up through the ditch. And I come up the backside of this hill and there was an evergreen tree out there. And these deer were using my two track that I drive in and throw out when they'd come weed. A lot of times they'd they just walk that two track that I drive in through the tall weeds. They'd walk use it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is going to be good, you know. I, I snuck all the way, plumb around it, and get get in. And uh, it's uh, it's not legal. It's five minutes before legal shooting light, and I turn my video camera on. I'm like, this is going to be a cool time lapse because the the scenery was beautiful. You know, the sky was pink that morning. The clouds were perfect. Everything was just gorgeous. I'm like, I'm going to do a time lapse. All right, I got plenty of battery and plenty of film, so I start videoing like five minutes before legal shoot night. And in this blind, I just lop the tops of these evergreen trees to where I can stand up in here. And then the briars are still almost chest high in front of me. <laughs> so I can't sit down in a stool. I can't even see out of my little cubby hole that I, that I made that morning. I didn't know what it was, but I have to stand up. <laughs> so I got my, my video camera, you know, set to for standing up and whatnot. And I start videoing and it gets legal shooting light. I'm looking at the clock, and I'm I'm glassing around with my binoculars over there because I'm 60 probably yards away from my corn pile and cell phone camera. And about that time, I look to my right, and that deer's standing 15 yards from me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, holy cow. I don't even have my bow in my hand. So I reached down. I got my bow. I had it leaned down. I'd already picked it up, pulled it back. I don't know how many times, several to make sure I wasn't going to hit nothing. Mm-hmm. I get my bow picked up. And I turned the video camera over there, and it's tucked back into this evergreen so far that when I turned it to the right, all I could see was evergreen trees. Mm. And this deer's broadside looking down the waterway to the west, 15 yards, nothing between him and I. Mm -hmm. I just can't get him on video. Mm. And I'm like, that's all right. I've already got got the wind beat because he's straight straight crosswind on me, headed, headed to the south i'm beat mm-hmm. um i just gotta let him walk up here in the frame well he goes to walking up here in the frame and i'm i'm not very far from the interstate so it's pretty loud mm-hmm. 
he gets in frame and I look at my, I pull back. He gets in frame. I look at my camera and I'm mad at him and he don't stop. And I'm mad at him again. And I look at the camera and he was still in frame and I'm sending it, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, he's 30 yards, something like that. I hit the scramble button and sure enough, I hit it and, and I hit this deer and he takes off running. I see my air hang out of him and, you know, everything happened so fast and, you know, we're just two minutes in the legal shooting light. Mm-hmm. So it's still low light. And I thought I smoked him. Mm-hmm. I thought that's it. Matter of fact, I go with it still running and tell him I smoked him. And he was like, are you kidding? And I was like, no. I was like, dude, he was 12 yards from me. He wasn't in frame. I had to let him walk by me. You know, I tell him the whole story. And I was like, I, I, he was still walking when I shot him. I couldn't get him to stop. Like, I, I really thought that. Mm-hmm. Like, fresh right off the, the print, that's what I told him. And then when you slow it down and watch the video, sure enough, the deer did stop. Mm. You know, I was just in, I, I guess I panicked a little bit when he didn't stop, and I hit the scramble button, and I was looking to see if he's in frame. And anyway, he sure enough did stop, and then he ducked. Mm. He ducked about six inches that, uh, you know, that, that broke me there. Mm-hmm. Um, I find my arrow about 30 yards. I find my arrow about 30 yards down the trail and there's only about six inches of arrow in him. And, uh, I showed Chris and them the video. I sent it to him and they're like, dude, he's dead. It looks like, it looks like it's good. And I was like, man, I didn't get no penetration. I said, I don't know. So they drove in from one of them was in Guthrie and one of them was in Edmond and they drove down there and we went to looking and, and very little blood on, on my arrow. We were thinking maybe I just went in and hit the offside shoulder. Mm-hmm. And ended up that that wasn't the case. Um, I was sick, mm-hmm. you know, big as typical. And it was horrible footage, um, but it was footage of a giant typical deer. Yeah, that I you know found and and that and so okay. so anyway, this that was December the twenty that was December the twenty third when I shot this deer and man five days later. On the 26th, the deer shows back up on camera, and just today in the morning, and he appears. And, you know, I was like, geez, you know, all right. I don't to him. I start watching, watching the camera. As a matter of fact, I put another cell phone camera on there and uh, start trying to get a pattern. And on January the 2nd, uh, it was pretty cold, and there was, there was ice on the crown. It was just brutally cold. I haven't never seen him, seen quite a few deer pick him up. And then I got in there early that evening, and I was covered up in deer. I had deer just all over me. Uh, a couple pretty nice, but I was up probably 140-inch 10-point. You know, but between finding this deer and all of this, that's a 140-inch 10-point, which is one of the big things that December the 2nd, he comes in early, sun up, sun up. Now, I'm videoing this deer for probably seven minutes, I think. I got an excellent sun video of this deer. And we're up to my pile. And uh, I range him, and he's 42 yards. And I dial my HHA in, and I get on my things great. And this deer turns around to look at another buck that's walking up. And I went to pull back, and my dealer breaks in half. And my arrow just falls out there about 10 yards, and the deer runs out of my life forever. <laughs> uh, to my lip, 
bloodied my nose. I mean, there were a lot of choice words said right then. Uh, I cried a little bit. I, I couldn't believe that I'd got myself in a situation for a second trip like that. And then, of all things, my dealer breaks. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I've shot thousands and thousands of arrows. I don't know how many different bows, and I've never even and they always say that it'll happen, you know, when at the worst time possible. <laughs> and, you know, here it is. Yep. Here it is. I'm here to tell you, mm-hmm. uh, don't say it'll be all right because it, it may not be all right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sick me. Yep. Sick me. Um, I chased him until the very last day of season. The last day of season, another, another great cold front came in. It snowed. It was the coldest year. I had, I think I've seen nine different bucks, and at the very seven minutes, I've got five bucks in front of me, um, and they, turned, they all turned, went to the north, you know, like they do when somebody else is coming. I'm like, he comes, and a daggum bobcat comes walking out of the trail and walks up there and, and scatters them all, and that was the end of my season. So it was rough. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still in fourth place all bow hunting league. Um, I picked another two pieces of property that I learned a lot about around this property. I never stepped foot on it to December the 10th. Mm-hmm. So um, I collected a lot of data on this piece of property for the coming season mm-hmm. and the other property. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It, it's sickening. The deers were very seldom. I find a giant, a big deer like that and kill him the first time. Mm-hmm. And I keep, you know, it's unfortunate. To, and you can see in the video during the daytime, I hit him high. It was great. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it didn't spine him. Did I send you the pictures of that where, where my arrow went in? Uh, I don't think you did. You sent me a couple of pictures and you sent me the video you took of him that morning, but I don't think I saw the the arrow. Yeah, I'm. It's, it's unbelievable that it didn't sign actually that high. Um, but I hope I hope it doesn't come up for next year because he's he's something else. I mean, he'll be here. Um, hopefully, hopefully this year um, I'll be able to redeem myself with with that deer. It would be a really really cool story. Mm-hmm. And it seems like. I, go through spells i mean this is like a i go through a loop about years i'll hit a deer high hmm. and it's always high mm-hmm. you know it's not ever a gut shot it's not low or full board it's just the duh mm-hmm. and and you about the day i hunt crosswinds a lot and i like to get up a cool house 35 40 yards and it's kind of disordered mm-hmm. um yeah i get big deer in front of me maybe five to 40 yards man a deer could really duck a lot or he could mm-hmm. maybe not duck so much mm-hmm. it's just hard it, it's hard to hard to read their body language and be precise in it. Um, it's so unpredictable you know everybody says you know i hold that deer and you get a pilot plate 100 yards well mm-hmm. so can i and put 30 yards and he ducks six six eight inches mm-hmm. and you know it's a non yeah, it seems like I have the same problem. I I hit most of my deer on the higher side, 
this year, the the buck I shot with my bow as he was coming in, I was even whispering to myself, aim low, aim low, because I know I usually hit high, and I still hit him high. <laughs> so, got him killed, yep. but just, you know, higher than I would have liked. Right. But, Quick and they are. Um, that's my season in a nutshell. It, it was it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. Um, as a team, we did good on the bow hunt league. And if you guys haven't checked out the bow hunt league, check it out. It's mm-hmm. a very it's fairly new. Was it four years old? Um, it's huge nationwide. It doesn't cost you anything to get in. And I'm not trying to promote bow hunt league, but man, it's a really cool. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool uh, program. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody on the Facebook page is is all for you. Every Everybody's it's a fun little deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a I had been on last uh, September, August, September, something like that, uh, to talk about it, and I I entered it with my brother and a buddy this year, and uh, we obviously didn't do. What's funny though is I, I was the only one out of the three of us that entered a buck, and I think we still came in like two hundred and twentieth out of the seven hundred or something like that. Um, and so yeah. uh, you know, and that's something I'd tell people. You know, one, don't be afraid to enter it. Uh, and two, you know, my buck wasn't even that big and we still did like, you know, somewhat decent. And so if you got some buddies that are killers, um, you know, or just want to do it for fun, there's great prizes. Uh, yeah, it's definitely worth your time for sure. Oh yeah. I like it. I like keeping up with it. I like seeing when the deer are killed. I mm-hmm. like seeing, I love the way that Ben and them break down the different States, mm-hmm. you know, especially for the traveling hunter, the, the guy that wants to know, okay, well, I want to a big buck but a good percentage of playing a, a buck for my money you know mm-hmm. it, they break it down to where your biggest bucks are killed your most bucks are killed mm-hmm. your you know the percentages per hunter um i mean they got it broke down to where you you can kind of shop around and figure out what state you might want to go to mm-hmm. and what to look forward to mm-hmm. yep and oklahoma was pretty well uh represented this year in the in the on the leaderboard yeah yeah we were we we did good um and we man i've I've got lucky chris hammond and i don't know if you know him you ought to put him on here one day he shoots Mm -hmm. pro for matthews Mm -hmm. and uh and scott langley we met him on the 3d range as well Mm -hmm. and scott's a killer Mm -hmm. scott's a traveler scott's got the time and the money to go and travel and hunt whenever whatever he wants and he is a flat-out killer. He's a great shot. He's very intelligent with the deer. And uh, and Chris Hammond, you know, he he's he's the one that actually got me to shooting big deer. Hmm. I've always kind of hunted deer. I get on against deer. I got a bow in my hand. I'm, I'm killing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I killed a big deer with my bow. And Chris was like, it's time for you to quit your deer. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just want to shoot deer. And he's like, you can still shoot deer. They don't shoot little bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh-huh. But I mean, it, it started my own hobby. Like I, I think it, I think the deer hunting is about like myself in three different categories. I got the guy who runs the game cameras and finds them. Mm-hmm. And then I got the guy who makes a set to get me in a situation to have this deer and then I got the poor guy who's got to actually go in and clutch up and make the shot, you know, when it counts. Uh, so I kind of break it into three different categories. And, and I love finding them, and I love making sets. Um, I do, but 
oh, it's tough. And then you throw that beauty you know, on top of it, mm-hmm. and it, it limits me. Uh, it's hard, you know, like you said, videoing for, and it's hard. Mm-hmm carrying that stuff around into some places mm-hmm. um you know and you got to take it day in day every single time if you don't take it something's going to happen and mm-hmm. and i i think i think what the juice i really enjoy you know uh, ending my uh, my story on video mm-hmm. so yeah my that's my dear I'm glad you waited. I quit being impressed <laughs> over the giant ten point. Uh huh. Uh huh. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, but now it's still a heck of a season, and you know, part of the reason I asked you to come on and and share the hard stories because you are, you know, a very accomplished deer hunter. Um, you've killed a lot of great deer. You killed one this year. Um, but you know, sometimes it just doesn't happen. It doesn't work out. Um. But I think the most important thing is just, you know, you learn from it. Uh, you know, I, I told you, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was 2018. I ate a big old bag of, or bowl of tag soup here in Oklahoma. Didn't kill a single buck. Um, but my next, you know, couple seasons after that have been some of my best because I, I think I just got more motivated. Um, I really kind of went back to basics, you know, learned that, hey, I can't just go out there and sit in a tree and kill something. You, you got to really go after them. Uh, and so, yeah, I hope you right, have, right. I hope you have another encounter with that giant 10 this coming year. I do too. You know, and, and just like you said, I think it's just as important to know when not to hunt mm-hmm. as it is when you hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and I think it's what I would tell a lot of the young hunters the most. Um, if it's not right, you're going out there and you're educating a big deer and, and it don't take very long and a big deer, he's done. He's mm-hmm. not going to play the games that the more immature deer do. Yeah. And I mean, that's probably my, what I would, what I would stress on the most for, for some of the new hunters that are trying to hunt big deer. It, it's not when you, it's not just when you hunt, it's when you don't hunt also. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that's one of the hardest lessons to learn, especially if you're a weekend warrior, you know, you get two, two or three days to hunt a week and you want to hunt, but, uh, sometimes you just got to sit out or at least go somewhere, you know, where you're going to be less intrusive, you know, and just let that big buck be for right. a little bit. So, uh, yep. Yep. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. Well, Dwayne, Dwayne, I appreciate well, it. John. <laughs> I, uh, I really appreciate you coming on, and you know, I, I'm going to consider this a little therapy session for you to get on here, talk about your problems, your feelings, and everything. And uh, I, I have a feeling you're going to come back strong from, from it. Yes, sir. I'm going to do my best for sure. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for coming on and telling your story. And uh, like I said, I think you're going to get back at it. Uh, oh, real quick before we go, I want you to get tell everybody where they can uh, find you on Facebook and Instagram and everything. Uh, my thing is hunting. Uh, my Instagram is, I don't know what, DCH, I think, <laughs> Carter224. I don't know what it is. <laughs> okay. um, you can watch... You can watch my YouTube videos on DCH. You may have to put in DCH hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll be on Outdoor Nation TV this spring. Awesome. Awesome. All righty, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, until next time, have a good one. Yes, sir. And that is how we do it, folks. Another great episode in the books. Thank you, Dwayne, for coming on and telling a, a story that probably is not that easy to relive. Uh, I've been there. I've... 
I've hit the big deer, not made that perfect shot, uh, was unable to recover, and it's just not fun. Um, so thank you for coming on and reliving that for the rest of us to learn something from it. Uh, man, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Uh, I haven't thanked you guys in a while just for your support. Um, again, I wouldn't be here doing this if you guys weren't out there listening to it. Uh, our numbers are going crazy. The entire Sportsman's Nation is just off the charts recently, guys. So thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Thank you for sharing it. Uh, I really hope you guys are enjoying this because I love doing it. So thank you guys. Huge shout out. Like I said, I hope I got to meet some of you guys at the Backwoods Show this coming weekend. Um, If you have an exciting story out there that you think would be a great episode, hit me up on social media and, uh, and we'll see about getting you on the podcast. I think that's pretty much all I have for this week, guys. Once again, thank you guys. I hope I got to meet some of you. And until next week, I will see you guys right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast.